Hey, it's Dennis Fisher. Thanks for listening to the Decipher podcast. In a second, you're going to hear my interview with Daniel Gruse, one of the researchers who developed the zombie load attack on Intel processors. Um, you'll notice that the interview kind of cuts off abruptly at the end. That was just a consequence of VoIP being great and um, nothing. You didn't miss anything. The entire interview is there. It's just uh, kind of the way that the VoIP connection ended. But you'll you'll hear the entire interview. And uh, thanks so much for listening. My guest today is Daniel Gruss from the Graz Technical University in Austria. And if you have been following the news this week, you will know that Daniel was part of a team that helped develop uh, the zombie load attacks, which are kind of an offshoot of the speculative ex execution side channel uh, attacks that have been popping up on um, processors over the last couple of years. Uh, so we're going to try and explain what those attacks are and uh, how the team found them. So, uh, Daniel, thanks very much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you uh, – I know it's probably a very busy week for you. Um, so I guess we should just kind of start at the top and uh, give you a chance to kind of explain what exactly the zombie load attack is and kind of how it affects uh, Intel processors in, in modern uh, machines. So with Meltdown and uh, Spectre, but in particular with Meltdown, uh, it was possible to read data from memory locations that you should not be able to access. And the processor, before uh, aborting what you're doing, would still access the data and give it to you. And then a few moments later, it would kill your process uh, unless you catch this uh, segmentation fault. Um, um, your program would usually crash. But if you catch it, the program doesn't crash. Mm -hmm. um, and if you then, in this small time window, encode this information into um, some um, meta information that you can then uh, retrieve later on via a side channel, you can extract the data from this uh, transient domain, we call it. Um, the new attacks basically follow this uh, procedure. Um, we can, in this case, not read data from arbitrary addresses, like with Meltdown. But in this case, uh, we try to read from an address that we cannot access. And we, instead of the address that we try to read, just get data that was, um, that was accessed by concurrent workloads just now or just a moment ago. So a very, very small time frame, much smaller than for Meltdown, um, but we can get any data that is processed on the system, no matter whether it's in the same process, the same virtual machine, uh, anywhere on the system, we can leak the data. Okay, and so you're talking about any kind of data, so it could be things, you know, you mentioned in the description on the site, uh, things like user keys, passwords, possibly even disk encryption keys, any kind of sensitive data uh, you guys could could find. 
Yeah, so the as you mentioned, the disk encryption key thing, this was one of our first demos and it works so nice. It uh, just takes a few seconds and then you have the disk encryption key. Uh, really nice. Um, so this is something that we that we uh, think is really, really critical uh, because you can't keep any data confidential anymore in that system if it's affected by this vulnerability. And it- how did you what's what's the research process like for finding uh these kind of very low level vulnerabilities i mean it's it seems like i know that the disclosure process took almost a year from start to finish so what's the research process like when you guys are are looking for something like this mm-hmm. so i would even argue that the disclosure process um from our side started on march 28 um already in December 2017, we told Intel that we can leak data from uncacheable or uncached memory locations. We sent a POC to Intel after we discussed this with them for a while on March 28, 2018. We sent them a POC which leaked data which was um, provably not in the cache. Um, so we then... Uh, investigated where this leakage can come from. And within a few weeks... And after discussing this with uh, some experts uh, from the field, uh, mm-hmm. we uh, figured that this leakage must come from the line fill buffer. And we informed Intel that this leakage comes from the line fill buffer. Um, we informed them about this in May uh, 2018. Uh, but this was just the explanation for the POC that we already sent on 28th of March in 2018. So this is more than a year uh, from from uh, now, uh, or more than a year ago. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. Um, why did it take so long? Uh, well, these even if you know about some effect, uh, it's still difficult to uh, build and exploit. Uh, also, it took us um, almost a year to go from the leakage that we had back then to the full uh, exploits that we had then later on. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's a, it's obviously a very complicated process then. Yes. So developing these attacks is rather complicated. You have to build a lot of experiments, see uh, how you can uh, leak something. Um, you have to do a lot of experiments. It's basically it's uh, it's a very um, it's very close to to experiments in natural science. We come up with a hypothesis where leakage could come from. We design an experiment where we say, okay, this experiment is simple enough that it could work, and if it works, it indicates that there might be leakage as we suspected, and then we run this experiment. And if we see that it doesn't work, then we know, okay, probably our hypothesis is not correct. But if it works, then we learn that, okay, we should look more into this because we need more tests to verify whether the hypothesis might be correct and whether we can leak more data with that. So it's very much like a natural sciences, I would say. Yeah, it sounds like it. You kind of go from step to step to step and see what your results are as you move along. Yes. And then after a while, you find something, some effect uh, where you say, okay, uh, I think I can turn this into something uh, that is um, that that would be malicious. And then, yes, and then it's just 
engineering everything together so that you can exploit the effect. Is there a, a root cause of these kind of vulnerabilities in the processors themselves that you can put your finger on? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we would argue that this is, um, um, it, it resembles use after free. So it's very similar to use after free that we know from uh, from the software level. We have these buffer entries down there, the line fill, in the line fill buffer, the load buffer, and the store buffer. And it seems that uh, some, uh, so in some cases, it's uh, just aliasing effects, or maybe maybe not maybe aliasing is not the best term, but it's uh, partial address matches. So during the transient execution, before the processor is sure whether it should do that or not, and eventually figures out it should ha not have done that, um, the processor will do a partial match of the address and will already work with the data, although the address doesn't match. But what is more concerning is that the processor in some of these cases will even access any data where there is no match whatsoever. Um, there is no, so the address that it leaks from and the address that you, um, that you try to access, these two addresses have nothing in common, but you still leak from this address, uh, that you, that you, um, were actually not not really after that you didn't target in in any way. Uh, now the question is how then can you target specific loads? And we do this by timing. We have done a lot of timing side channel attacks in the past, and we can very well um, align an attacker uh, such that it uh, can do a leaky load in parallel to a victim load. So. The attacker can control what data is leaked? Um, yes, through the timing domain. Okay. And so what would a practical attack against these vulnerabilities look like in the real world? Practical attacks could, for instance, target disk encryption keys. I think that's uh, one of the best targets. Um, we could also imagine um, leaking other um, other data like browser um, history or if you're browsing to a website in a virtual machine in a Tor browser, we can see that from the outside. Um, we can, uh, and that's probably important in the cloud, we can see data that is processed while it is processed in the cloud. So for instance, if you... Um, if you would process sensitive data in the cloud, it's possible that we can bits and pieces of it uh, leaked to our attacker virtual machine running on the same system. Okay. And it, I know that, uh, as you said, you your team worked with Intel for a long time on the, on the disclosure and all that. What do the mitigations on the hardware side look like to, to try and address these vulnerabilities? So there will be new processors that fix these vulnerabilities. Um, also for some of the attacks that variants, for some of the attack variants that we published, um, they don't work on all processor generations. Um, so this is already, uh, something, um, for the microcode updates and the software patches. We are investigating, uh, what is the right strategy there? Um, what is necessary to get a full, um, full protection against our attacks. Okay, so right now, if you're a user, you know, just a, a, 
a general user who ha- who's has a machine that has a vulnerable processor in it is there are there any patches available for those right now yes so windows uh, has already uh, so microsoft has already rolled out windows patches so you should have installed the updates already um for some of the Linux versions, you will find updates over the next um, days. Some already have rolled out some updates. Um, the clouds already have rolled out patches. Uh, so this should already be patched in most um, critical uh, environments. Okay. And this yesterday, we're recording this the day after the disclosure, was a pretty crazy day because not only was your attack disclosed, but there was a, a few other related uh, side channel attacks on Intel processors uh, disclosed. What was the, how, how similar are those attacks to the ones that uh, your team discovered? Mm-hmm. So I've, uh, I've uh, worked together with, um, with uh, the other teams in, in so with some of the other teams. Um, so for instance, we had the zombie load paper that was a joint uh, collaboration between the Graz University of Technology team, but also Cybers Technology uh, in Germany, um, Jo van Bulk from KU Leuven uh, in Belgium. Uh, then um, Daniel Mogimi from the Worcester uh, Polytechnic Insta, uh, Institute in um, in the USA. Um, and did I forget anyone? I mean, we had quite a few authors. <laughs> we had seven people on this uh, on this paper, so I don't want to forget anyone. Um, I I guess I guess I got everyone. <laughs> And there was also a couple of other um, papers published yesterday, too. I, I know there was one on uh, Riddle, I think it's called, and Fallout, um, and a couple yes, of other. Yes. So um, for the Fallout paper, we are co-authors of that paper. So we uh, joined that collaboration after we uh, found our store-to-leak forwarding. Uh, so this is a paper that is uh, from our team in Graz. And we found this attack in uh when was it? I think it might have been late December, early January this year. And we discovered that we can uh, write into the store buffer and then read data from it, although we should not even be able to write to this location. So the processor doesn't care that we write to the store buffer, although we are not allowed to. Uh, and we thought this is a problem in the store buffer because by that the store buffer leaks information to us. And we um, then um, we then looked at um, um, the yeah. So basically, we reported this uh, to to Intel, and Intel um, said uh, yes, they can reproduce. Um, I don't understand the reasons, uh, but they didn't want to acknowledge us for reporting this store buffer issue, uh, and also um, for for this issue. And uh, did not uh, offer any any CVE bug bounty or whatsoever. Um, so uh, what we then did was uh, investigate this a bit more, uh, see what we can do with it. If we combine it with a Spectre attack, we can leak data from even from patched uh, systems. We can also um, break um, the um, KSLR kernel address space layer randomization or monitor what the operating system is doing. So quite a few. Um, attacks along the lines of more traditional side channel attacks, uh, but also, well, the leaking the data with uh, Spectre gadgets. Um, 
So this is something that we thought is relevant and we didn't understand why Intel thought, uh, okay, this is not relevant and we don't care about this store buffer issue. And then we got in touch with uh, Daniel Genkin uh, and his team who have been working on another store buffer attack and we figured that out over some conversation. And uh, then we said, okay, let's see whether we should join uh, these two projects or not. And then we figured that they are sufficiently separate that we should not um, merge them. But we uh, from then on try to uh, contribute also some ideas to the fallout paper. And uh, that's also um, how this collaboration started. And uh, yeah, so the fallout paper, there are quite a few, you will see quite a few names uh, from yeah. cards also on there.